You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. Weepa! What up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders Podcast. I'm your boy, Al Mega. Thank you one and all for tuning in today. Yo, today we have an amazing, amazing creator. She has been killing it. She is the creator of the steampunk supernatural graphic novel and pro series called Boston Metaphysical Society. She has run nine successful crowdfunding campaigns. She published a book called Kickstarter for the Independent Creator. She has a brand new campaign within the Boston Metaphysical Society. It's popping. Yo, she is the legend. Let me introduce the one, the only Madeline Holly Rosing. Hey, what up, Mom? Hey. How you doing? Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show. I didn't realize I was a legend. Yeah, you are a legend. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you you got it. You got nine wins in that you know in that crowdfunding arena. Be proud. That's like the, that's MMA of crowdfunding, and you got yeah. nine wins under your belt, girl. You better you better be proud of that. Uh, no, I I am very proud of that. That that's a, that's a lot of hard work you're you're looking at there. <laughs> it is, it is. That's why I gotta shout that out because again, it's not easy for you to you know uh, reach that. That's amazing. I want I want I want to learn. I'm sure everybody else wants to learn how how you how you've done this and your and your blueprint, if you will, the Madeline print. <laughs> so let, let's talk a little bit about yourself before we get even get into all of that. So okay. talk to me about you, like where you originally from, where you grew up at. Um, I'm originally from Southern California. Uh, we bounced around a little bit between uh, Los Angeles and the desert and then back to L.A. And uh, I did end up uh, leaving California for a while. I uh, went to graduate school in New York and stayed on after I graduated, um, worked there for a while and then eventually came back to California, where I, I live in Los Angeles with my husband and, and two rescue dogs. Oh, awesome. Check your awesome job there with the rescue <laughs> dogs. I love it. Person after my heart there. So, uh, all right. So growing up where you grew up, talk to me about, you know, the, the any early, if you will, inspirations. You know, what, 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 what was your first love? if you will, as you were well, growing up and who introduced Yeah, First Love was, was probably always sci-fi and fantasy, um, probably because one of the first books my mom ever read to me, you know, before I could actually really mom. read, was uh, A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline L. Ingle. And... Well, yeah, uh, Madeline, it w- was your name inspired by her? <laughs> the, actually, it wasn't. I wish it was, but no, it, it wasn't. <laughs> Um, not that cool, apparently. Right? Uh, yeah. Your mama, ma- your mama couldn't lie to you. Come on now. She could have, but she didn't. She didn't. <laughs> um, my my brother was way into uh, science fiction, and so it just a lot of that just kind of trickled down. Um, but he was always big into comics, into superhero comics, and I have to tell you that really didn't interest me at all growing up. Um, the superheroes just I didn't really relate to them and it wasn't until I started adapting Boston Metaphysical Society 
into a graphic novel. And for those of the audience who don't know, it was originally a TV pilot I wrote while I was at the UCLA MFA program in screenwriting. Oh. And it was suggested that I turn it into a graphic novel to use that to sell back to Hollywood. Well, um, long story short here, in the process of writing comics, I discovered I really love writing comics and I really love the independent creator community. Um, and so I decided I'm, I'm going to stay here <laughs> and so, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep on going. So how did you even get into this whole program? When did you start taking, or actually, even before we step into that, when did you realize you even wanted to take part in all of this? Um, I was, I, after I finished my MFA, I started taking sequential art classes um, with Nunzio de Felipe, a fabulous teacher. We had an amazing class uh, filled with just, I, I was very fortunate in that I had really good mentors who were already in the comics industry between uh, Christina Strain, who was a colorist at Marvel and who's now, I think, the showrunner for uh, Shadow and Bone. And she's done a Ooh. tremendous amount of work. Um, uh, Han Yi, uh, who's was in the class, and she's now writing animation. I mean, there's just the, the talent in that class was amazing. And, uh, you know, I can't thank them enough and, and other people for spending the time to teach me about the business and how to be a better comic book writer uh, because, you know, without them, you know, Boston Metaphysical wouldn't really exist in, in the form, the form it is. And, um, but what really got me into comics was that class because, uh, our instructor was, uh, part of our syllabus was reading independent comics. Okay. And oh, I really? never read indie. I didn't even know that there were comics that weren't zero superhero type. And, <laughs> and so when I started reading these, I actually got kind of pissed off because Ooh. I was mad that no one had told me that these existed before because the stories were fabulous. And I'm just said, this, this is amazing. And, you know, between why the last man and Astro city and, uh, and then later on, you know, lady killer. I mean, these oh, really, yes. really interesting stuff. Um, and then also the stuff you're finding on Kickstarter now. I mean, you know, eight years ago when I first started in Kickstarter, it was a very different landscape in the uh, comic crowdfunding community. Mm -hmm. And I think each year the bar has been raised. So the comics keep getting better and better and better every year. Oh, they, do. they do. And I really think this it's a community effort um, because I strongly believe, you know, we all rise together and by helping each other, uh, you know, I've, I've friends uh, even before I, I got picked up by source point, I had, had friends who, who were actually already at source point who were, you know, beta reading uh, my work and giving me notes and, Wonderful. uh, in, until, you know, finally Bob Sally, who, who is at source point, and I think scout comics now as well. 
basically, you know, messaged me and said, you know, you, you have to be part of the team. You have to join SourcePoint. Go, go talk to Travis and McIntyre, who was the editor in chief mm-hmm. at the time. And I actually knew Travis. I mean, this, this was a long time building relationship when, you know, SourcePoint, when I first met them, it was this tiny, uh, small press that was focusing on horror primarily. And now they're like huge. Yeah, man. They have blown up yeah, exponentially. Yeah, and, and I love it. I see yeah. that growth. And it's really amazing. I know the individuals you're talking about, I've met them in person when I lived in Mass. So it's like, okay, great. They have great energy, a great spirit, a real great independent spirit. Yeah, yeah. So and and so, really great. yeah, it was, it was, it, it's been a really good relationship working with SourcePoint and getting Boston Metaphysical out to a larger audience, which I just simply couldn't do by myself. Uh, going to cons, you know, it's sort of like... Did you try that? Were you there pitching your stuff at cons or no? Oh, my God, yeah. I started very early. <laughs> just uh, uh, was probably 2013, 2014. Oh, I turned... Wow. Awesome. I only had one issue out. And I turned it into like a special edition. I added all these extras. And my first con was Ape. And when the Alternative Press Expo, which doesn't exist anymore, and I would share a table with a friend of mine. And we did that for about a year and a half until we started expanding our inventory. And then we had to have our own tables. But that's how I built my following is I went to every little tiny con that I could drive to. And just slowly built, you know, my email list and and fan base. And, you know, what you see now is a culmination of eight to nine years of just grunt work. Yeah, let me tell you, man, and after that, but let me give a shout out to the ladies like yourself. (laughs) Because I've spoken to a lot of creators, and, and on average, it's mostly the ladies that say, I'm going to the shops, meeting the owners with my book. I'm going to the cons with my book, meeting the people and just here, here, here. I yeah. mean, I, I hear a lot of the dudes saying, yeah, yo, I like email everybody I can. You hear that? Email versus I am meeting and walking to these places. That's the difference. And y'all hustle is crazy. I respect that. Good stuff, yo. <laughs> That's a crazy hustle. So how did you how did you feel when you finally landed that opportunity though? How did that feel like when you yes, I want to work with you? Um no, it was it was pretty, you know, it was it was great. Uh you know, there was a lot of fits and starts in the beginning uh with local comic book dealers because you know, very some shops just really their customers want the superhero stuff and that's totally fair. If that's what you like, that's what you like. Um Others were were more open to, you know, Indie Fair and, you know, a big shout out to, you know, House of Secrets over here in Burbank. Uh, they were one of the Ooh. first to carry it when it was just me. You know, it was before SourcePoint. It was just little old me. <laughs> Love it, yo. And, and, also, uh, and also Collector's Paradise um, in Pasadena. But, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Because of you know source point, we were able to to reach out to to many more, and and even you know the first issue uh, when it hit the previews, I was on the phone to 
uh, comic book retailers around the country, you know, pitching the comic and, you know, obviously trying to get them to to pre-order it. And, you know, that's just, that's just a lot of time and, you know, cold calling and, uh, but that's what you have to do. (laughs) Oof, oof, oof. So as, as you're creating the comic, doing your hustle, did you have a tribe or was it really just a dolo mission? Did you have anyone around you that, that you know, really did guide you? Like, okay, this is how you create a comic book, right? Because you never did one before, I would suppose. Or did you have a kind of an idea of how to create one? Well, fortunately, the, the class I took um, at UCLA did teach me how to do that. And, um, and, and the people within it, educated me. And, uh, I was also very fortunate, uh, you know, right at the beginning to get, you know, uh, Emily Hugh was my original artist and I got her right out of school. Uh, Troy Pateri is, he's an amazing letterer. And I also met him through Christina Strain and, you know, he's, he's amazing. Um, I actually try to have an all female, uh, team, Um, but you know, Troy's been with me since the beginning and I hope he's with me forever. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay if you're a dude, you gotta, you got skills, you know? Yeah, definitely. And definitely does does a great job with the book. So for people that don't know, let them know what is Boston Metaphysical Society? Uh, well, the basic storyline is about an ex-Pinkerton detective, a spirit photographer, and a genius scientist who battles supernatural forces in late 1800s Boston. Uh, we started with a, a six-issue miniseries with art by Emily Hugh, and when that was completed, I did a series of four standalone sequels, uh, The Scourge of the Mechanical Men, Spirit of Rebellion, Ghosts and Demons, and the last one was The Book of Demons. The artist on that and colorist was Gwen Tavares, who, as you probably, you have the background of the cover um, for Book of Demons um, that she did. Uh, Both women were just spectacular and wonderful to work with. How do you find this talent? Jeez, um, I mean, you, you get some great people with great skills on your books i mean how do you find this and how do you even gauge the talent i mean do you have a kind of like a gauge of what you're really looking for yeah i it it's almost like an instinct with me of of what i want it to look like um and uh i hired emily um to do two audition pages and she nailed it and so you know god bless her she she was with me for all six issues and, and, and she got it done. I just, that's, that's a lot of work. Uh, she's moved on to bigger and better, um, which is wonderful. Um, and then by that time I was pretty well entrenched in the independent creator community. So I sent out word that I was looking for a new artist and uh, another friend of mine um, through steampunk world uh, came to me and said, have you seen Gwen Tavares? Cause she did some other work for us. And I said, no, but I'll, I'll take, I'll go look her up and take a look at her portfolio. And in the meantime, he had contacted her. So she contacted me and I had her do a, uh, uh, some character sketches of the two main characters for Scourge of the Mechanical Men, which was Tesla and Granville Woods. 
and she knocked it out of the park. And I just said, okay, you're hired. Uh, Wonderful. <laughs> I love it. Love it. So, so you said I, steampunk, I though. I want to know. I, I'm, I, are you a person that cosplays in steampunk yourself? I mean, what what is it about steampunk that did this, you know, inspired you so much to do this book? Uh, it's really my love of, you know, science fiction and history. Uh, I am not a good cosplayer. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> I, you know, I love the steampunk community tremendously, but I am like the worst dresser in the world. I mean, for me, it's like, oh, goody, I'm wearing a blue t-shirt today instead of a white one. So this is, this means how special you are, Al, if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I wear a color for you. <laughs> I wore a color for you. That's. Oh, you know, thank you. I'm honored. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm horrible at, at all of that because uh, I, I think it's I'd rather spend my energy in creating the worlds I and writing though. than worrying about the whole costume stuff. I let people who are much better at that do that, and I admire. Oh my God, I admire the the artistry that goes into many of the the steampunk. Um, Fashion and cosplay. I've, yeah, I've seen it. I've oh seen my god! It. And it's gorgeous. That you know, like you know, I, I will ignore a, a comic book cosplayer any day when I see a steampunk because it's so unique. The yeah. whole style. It's like that. It's retro. It's modern. It's Gotham. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's not so much the aesthetic that got me into it, but but creating the worlds. I dig it. And where do you dive into then? You know, when when you get into that creative zone of yours, you know, getting into this whole steampunk, I mean, zone, like, where are you digging from? Like, and how do you get into that zone? Um, I'm not even sure I can answer that because it's so automatic at this point. And I've been living with this world now for uh, probably 10 years a good oh, 10 wow. years. So it's so ingrained in my psyche that, you know, and I know these characters really well, and this is a huge world. This is a very big world. Um, so I, you know, sometimes I forget stuff. So I have to go dig around in notes and biographies and, and the histories that I've written just to uh, bring depth to the world. Look, you've broken down each character. You have a book with each character breakdown, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I love it. You're like my niece. I have a niece, very young girl, and, and she's showing me this world that she's creating. And let me tell you, Marilyn, she has got character breakdowns, character designs, the whys, the stories, the origins, who the parents, I mean, even backstory, like, Oh my God, we got we got to figure out how to get you published, kiddo. <laughs> oh yeah, that that sounds. She writes that, and draws. That sounds amazing. No, it's it's a lot of work, and and part of developing and you know an alternate history is deciding when the the break off point was. Okay. And because, but as you probably know, a lot of steampunk is set in Victorian England. Yes, it is. Uh, that, that's that's the popular place yeah. to to the set. The biggest it. theme, yeah. The biggest theme. Um, Boston Metaphysical is American. It everything about it is American, and so I dive into a lot of American history, and I've you know changed some of it 
the split off in Boston metaphysical starts after the war of, of 1812 with oh. the British, which by the way, we actually lost, but none of our history books will say that. Of course not, because you know, overall, yeah. sort of that was the battle we lost, but you know, the overall, the victors, right? You know, write history. This is why you wouldn't even see the truth of my history. You know, let's not yeah. even get into those conversations. Oh yeah, I, that's all. You know, then we're gonna get ourselves in trouble, and, and people are gonna yeah. start conversing for real. Like, nah, let's not get into that. It's gonna be gonna get too tough. But I guess but, you know, there's a lot of false history and things that I, it's just not told, man, and 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 it sucks. But I, I'm glad that you dive into it, you know, via, via your way. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and there's other things that are come that are coming in the future. Like, um, I'm I just started writing the next series, uh, oh, which will probably, that'll probably hit Kickstarter in the fall. Um, and that's Kickstarter number what? Well, there'll be another one before that. But actually, oh, oh damn! And another one before that. So, what number would that be? That will be number, uh, actually number eleven. Oh, um, I've actually run ten Kickstarters, though the first one failed spectacularly, like most do. And um, that's what? where I I learned many of my lessons. Gosh, <clears throat> what was the biggest lesson of that first failure? Um. That though you know we start as a web comic, and in fact, this first six issues you, you can read on, online right now <clears throat> for free. <clears throat> Based on the number of unique views that I was getting, I thought I would be able to fund at a higher goal, uh-huh. and I <clears throat> realized that <clears throat> even if say five percent of the number of people who were viewing it contributed just you know a basic amount that would have gotten us halfway there okay. to our goal and just from what little data that, that i remember now that i was able to glean it was like less than a half percent oh my gosh so one of the things i did learn is the people who buy from you at cons will will come over and buy from you on kickstarter yeah um how did you learn that lesson? <laughs> uh, by putting together email lists and discovering that the people who were buying at me from cons were then coming so you in. You were analyzing and, like, oh, man. This yeah, you know, you look like at that. the data. You look at who's who's coming back. And uh, also, yeah. a lot of these, a number of these Kickstarter backers over the years have become friends. Mm. <laughs> so I know them personally. <laughs> we have dinner. I mean, gotcha. well. Not in a while, but you know. <laughs> I hear, I hear. You can have eat dinners like the practical jokers we're having for a while, right over the camera. Hey, what are you eating tonight, bro? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just certain certain things you you learn, and then Kickstarter also grew as well. Uh, Kickstarter matured over the years, and um, I do have to give a shout out to uh, like Russell Nolte and Tyler James, who also. Mm. Do uh, Kickstarter classes and, and tribe, yeah, that, that big books. homie. Yeah, I mean, Tyler. I always learn something new from Tyler. Tyler's always. a man. He's, he's yeah, and I love that he shares that knowledge like that. Again, so yeah. I want to pick your brain because you, you know, you got those, those, those nine successful. You got another one popping. I mean, murdering it. So, 
how did you figure out? I mean, other, other than just the email, how, is there a master plan on that success? Was there any different marketing that you did on top of just, you know, looking at the email list and, and seeing that? Like, what did you change, if anything, to try? Oh, oh, between, oh between the first and the second one? Yeah. Um, well, the first Kickstarter that I ever ran, we had three issues of the six-issue miniseries done. And so we were looking to fund production for the last three issues and put it together in a trade. And so that was about $25,000, which is actually what it would have cost, you know, back, back then. And we got about, we got over $7,000 and over 200 backers. And so when I say we, I my husband, because he has to deal with me when I run a Kickstarter. Um, so we said, okay, for a comic that no one has ever heard of before, you know, we have 200 backers, over $7,000. That's, that's not bad, actually. You know, that's not bad. We can do something with that. Mm-hmm. And so what we did is we broke it up into the issues, to, into discrete parts. So we said, okay, let's just do, you know, for $3,000, a print run of issue three. And then one of the stretch goals was to print issue four, which we actually made. And we oh. made we made over 7,000, if I recall. I think we made 8,000 something. And and so from that, we were able to build, but we understood like, okay, we're kind of new to new. People aren't sure of who we are yet. That's fine. Um, once they realize that, you know, we deliver and we're going to be consistent um, things will improve over time. And that, that's exactly what happened is, nice. um, you know, you keep, if there's any delays, you just let people know, uh, and, and keep delivering on what you promise. So how much time in the day does a Kickstarter project take, you know, at least in, for you, when you start, you know, getting fully acclimated when it's live, like how much time does it take for you? on a day, you know, you know, with communication and anything else that's involved in that? Um, it depends on where you are in the campaign. I start revving up for a campaign like three months ahead of time. Ooh, nice. And uh, just by letting people know, okay, like I can tell you right now, in April, we're going to be running a Kickstarter to produce a, a trade paperback of all four sequels. Plus oh, a, damn. Yeah, plus uh, a 10-page story um, that will only be in that trade. So a brand new story on top of getting the sequels. Correct. Oh, oh damn. You know you know how to sell, girl. Jesus Christ. And, uh, and I'm very happy to say that Roberta in Granada is doing the art <gasps> for that 10-page story. How did you get How did you get her get out? How? <laughs> oh man, I know that name. I love. Uh, I, I see all over. She's Titan marvelous. Place. Oh yeah, she's yeah, and, and an absolute joy to work with. Uh, well, I started wow. small, and uh, a year or so ago, I approached her about just doing a pinup, you know, for one of my kickstarters, and she did a beautiful job. Uh, and you know, I paid her on time. Which is, by the way, that's a big clue. Pay your artist on time. <laughs> they would love that, if you do that. Yeah, it's not that tough. You know, no argument. It's like this is a marvelous job. Here's your money. 
And then about six months after that, I asked her to do uh, the new cover for the original trade paperback um, that's now being distributed through Simon & Schuster um, from SourcePoint. Uh, So she did a beautiful job on that. Um, So that leads up to, you know, a little 10-pager. So let's see how we work together with a little 10-pager. And and then, you know, you go you go from there. Um, I mean, let's talk but, about it. I mean, yeah, that's it. That, that's, right? that's 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 it. That's Roberta's uh, cover for the it, original trade. Isn't that dope, people? I mean, look at that artwork. Oh my! I mean, how much direction did you have to give her, or none at all? Just say do something. <laughs> um, I'm actually rather specific. Oh, I love it. Yeah, hey, listen, you have a vision, homie. So talk about it. I mean, it's yeah, I mean, I I. Give I give all my artists basic parameters, and I really try hard not to micromanage them because I do want them to be artists. That's why I'm hiring them. Yeah. Um. Uh, sometimes I have to micromanage just because there's certain elements that say need to be in a panel to move the story along, and maybe they've missed it. It happens. People are human. Oh. And and even you know working with Gwen, I'll go like, okay, don't don't forget to put the the knife on the table there because the knife shows up later. And she goes, oh my god, I forgot the knife, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just yeah, because there's and look so much. At this cover too. This is the OG yeah. cover, right? That is Gwen Tavares, oh. and that was um, our last uh, sequel. Okay, and look at that. I mean, sexy, sexy. But I want to. What is this? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. what is this? Yo, I mean, an audio drama. What yeah. is going on here, Marilyn? What are you teasing me with here? Uh, well, a few years ago, uh, I did have a friend suggest that Boston Metaphysical would do, they think would do well as an audio drama, and and I agreed with him. But I, I really didn't have any, I had no idea how to start that, so I just kind of let that go for a few years. And then I met Eddie Louise and her husband, Chet Michael, at some steampunk conventions. And they are the writers and uh, they're the co-creators, producers of a steampunk uh, audio drama called Sage and Savant that was on for four years. Um, wow, it's boy, really yeah. marvelous. For, if you have not heard it, it's, it's so much fun. And there's also books that go along with it that Eddie Louise is writing. And... So she and I hung out at the Nebula conference. Uh, this is all pre-pandemic. And she said, you really need, you need to do this. You need to turn this into an audio drama. And I said, well, I'll only do this if you and Chip come on board. Because I don't know where to start. <laughs> and Love and so yeah. they said, yeah, we'll do that. So we... Wow. They, they are my production, my official production team. Eddie Louise is my script editor. Um, I went and researched how to write audio drama scripts, and then she went through it and helped me make it better. Um, Chip was amazing. He is not only our, our audio engineer, but our director and our composer, so he wears so many hats. Um, and But, yeah, I, but I'm also the producer and the executive producer wow. of it. And for those who think producing is glamorous, I can tell you right now, no. <laughs> no. That's what I'm saying. People have so, such gr- visions of grandeur, right? They're like, yo, what, you're like this, you're doing this and that, looking all fancy. Like, hell no. 
Do you know how stressful this shit is? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I handled uh, the casting and uh, I narrowed them down to like our top three or top five. And then Eddie would, Eddie Louise would go listen to their reels and we would talk about them and, and, you know, come down, you know, till we got to our finalists and, and, and eventually started casting and we got some terrific voice actors. They are just marvelous. Um, I think people will, will just love them. Um, and let's see, uh, Chip is done with uh, laying the voice tracks and the special effects for all eight episodes. This is an eight episode uh, story. Um, it is a complete story. Each episode is about a half hour-ish long, oh, okay. give or take a few minutes. Um, and we're going to be adding some commentary as well. So it is Ooh. right now, well, I'll be I'm actually putting together the backer kit survey right now. So I'll probably have a pre-order, but right now we will have it available probably in February, March. Uh, we have some really cool flash drives. Let me see if, um, let me reach one. Oh my gosh, really? This is an amazing project, man. I mean, wow. That's great from comics to audio drama. Let's yeah, show see if I all. can. Don't worry, I got you right here. Make it. There you go. There we oh, go. Boom. That's one side Ooh, of the flash drive. That's a flash drive. Oh, dope, man! Is it really wood or what? Damn. It yeah, it's so really cool. wood. So you got really? your flash drive. <gasps> Magnetic lock. Oof. Yes. Oof. Yo, so, that's some swag right there. Yeah, Alejandro Lee did the art. We have our this is our American Clipper ship because that the ghost ship was in fact an American Clipper ship. Um, he did the lettering it. there. Yo, so a big thank you to Alejandro. How many of those around? <laughs> uh, well, they're going to go to Kickstarter backers first, probably towards the end of February. They'll be okay. mailed out. Um, with some stretch goal magnets and, you know, fun stuff like that. And then the CDs, the CDs probably won't go out until March because they do have to be produced. I love the UNC. Why CDs? I mean, you know, are we going to get a vinyl too or what? (laughs) I I decided not to do the vinyl. That was just, I was trying to keep things as simple as possible. Um, Eventually, uh, the... It will go wide to the public after it goes out to Kickstarter backers. They get everything first. Of course. And um, Yeah, and I haven't decided where I'm going to host it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh it's main hosting, but it'll it'll probably be distributed through the usual suspects like Spotify and Apple and oh, eventually, that, that, you know, the rest of them. There's probably other platforms you could hit too, you know, that are oh, I'm sure. coming yeah. that I see because audio dramas. I've spoken uh, to a cast that does an audio drama, you know, Rest Assures, and they've been kicking butt with it. And I gave them some ideas. So, you know, there's so many avenues in this lane for you, Madeline. I mean, you have a, a fantastic product. I mean, look at that, the CD, bringing it back old school, but that dope swag right there. I <laughs> love that. I've never in my life seen no USB like that. So I, th- that's totally unique. I'm digging Yeah, I mean, it took me a while to find this because I kind of had an idea in my mm-hmm. head of what I wanted because it sort of looks like something you'd find on a ship. 
Sorta. I mean, yeah. I know not really, but it. I know what you mean, but it, but it's a wooden ship. You're thinking about them, so it kind of fits the whole narrative and theme. Yes. Of it, you know, but yes. it doesn't have no ghosts, folks. I promise, no ghosts. <laughs> All right. So, and this whole journey of yours, because you've done things. I mean, you, you know, you're successful Kickstarters. I mean, you did hitting the journey hard, writing, building teams, and all. What type of you know advice do you have for people that are also trying to rise up in this journey? Um, you know, really focus on your time management. Um, that is probably the hardest thing for me and mainly because the, the business has uh, grown and I'm, I know I need administrative help. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we but, all sometimes? Yeah. But that, that's always a kind of a, a difficult thing to, to handle when you're working from home and, um, and things like that. So, it is. uh, yeah, I, that's, yeah, it's gotten to the point where I, I do. I mean, every time I, I talk to my father, he's like going like, so when are you getting some help? <laughs> <laughs> How about you, dad? Do you want to help? No, no, no. You don't work yeah. with family, boy. They just stress you out more. <laughs> yeah, I know my, my husband helps enough. Um, he's He's been part of this journey as, as well. Uh, that's great. That's is he has he been the model of any of your stories? Like, here, honey, dress in this. I need to get inspired. No, I don't do that to him. <laughs> I don't do that to him. He he does do panels at uh, WonderCon and oh, um cool. and San Diego. Well, he's a rocket scientist, so say word. Hey, so, he'd be so happy they... to know where I live. Literally, <laughs> I walk out the door and I've seen the two SpaceX launches right right from my door like that's like, cool right when it's, yeah gorgeous things i mean i grew up in new york so and the only two times that i saw the shuttles go off they both blew up the challenger and the one that blew up out yeah so I, I i'm like i've been terrified to see this on tv so i said yeah. okay let me see what happens if i see an in-person god i hope it doesn't blow up so the first one really looked like it was coming towards me i was scared shitless for a moment i was like oh my god <laughs> But then I was like, oh, wait, no, it keeps going. And I'm I'm screaming to my family, you got to see this. But no one is paying attention to me because I'm the only big nerd in the family. So, <laughs> <laughs> Look, but that, that's some great stuff, man. Shout out to your hubby then. Thank you for the rocket science, kiddo. <laughs> and the support of your lady because she's kicking ass. Yo. You best believe. Yeah, he he's ended up. Um, we've we've cut back on the number of cons he does because cons aren't really his thing. But mm-hmm. he does a great job on them. And uh, and sometimes I just need the help. But so, uh, we're talking cons, you know. Before we go, are there any cons that we could, you know, look forward to seeing you at in person? Is there anything that you know that is kind of planned? Uh, the yeah, there's the um, wild, wild, uh, wa- the wild, wild west steampunk convention in Tucson. Um, that we have to work out some details, but I'm I'm should be there uh there's a small steampunk convention in burlingame california called clockwork alchemy in mid-march and uh as far as i know i will be at wondercon um hey, in, in early april and uh everything else i think i have to wait for and i've put in applications for it, so i just i have to wait excellent are you gonna come towards the east coast anytime soon i hope to do new york comic-con again next year I mean, this year, 
Since, since your book is called Boston Metaphysical, are you going to hit a Boston area con? <laughs> uh, I did. I did Boston last year, actually. Oh, I did awesome. Boston. Okay. I did Boston in August, but I, I like to change things up a little bit. And hey. um, I haven't been to Emerald City in a while, so I'm hoping nice. to, to get in there um, this People year. People enjoy that show. I've had team members there that have enjoyed the hell out of that show. Saying it's so comic-centric, great people. Yeah, yeah. and the same thing. Uh, I hope to to get into Rose City again in Portland. Um, I really I like I like Rose City. It's I really uh, want to go to Portland because it's such a big comic book town. I mean, so many publishers there. Yeah. Great show. I mean, I really got to yeah. hit that. That's a, that's another great comic book town. I got to go there for just to get my uh you know uh bag uh, serums of of nerdum in my in my veins. Well, yeah, I mean, and what's great for, for us creators is, one, we get to get in there early, right? So we get to go <laughs> hang out with, with our other favorite creators and and talk to them for a while. And, and that's always, that's a blast. Oh, let me ask you then. All right. Has there been any person you've met, you know, in the journey that, that has actually you've had that, like, oh, my gosh, moment. I can't believe I'm, I met this person. Have you ever had that yet? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, probably you know David Walker is. Ooh. I actually got to. I mean, I think he and I had talked during. A, we were helping to promote each other's Kickstarters, but we actually hadn't talked. And I think we actually met in Portland last year. Okay. And so we actually got to chat for a while, and and he's just such a tremendous talent. Um, and then I was, uh, extra thrilled with, um, uh, the Black Panther book he did, the the graphic Mm. novel, uh, because the artist, uh, Kwame Marcus Anderson, he was one of my very first Twitter followers, like early on. Oh, say words, say that out. And I would always like chat and, you know, retweet and, you know, he's like one of your, what you call your Twitter buddies, right? Yeah. And uh, also a marvelous talent, and, and I, you know, saw him improve over the years. And then when I saw he was on David Walker's book, I couldn't. I'm like, oh my god, you're on David Walker's book! I'm so wonderful. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I was. I was like, so I'm so happy. I'm so proud of you. It's amazing. That's you know, great. It's, wow. Uh, it, it really, it was. I was so. Isn't it crazy? You never met these people in life. You chit chat through these electronic means, and yet you feel so connected and enjoy the successes when they do it and stuff, right? And it wow. Yeah, and, and that was what was really great about New York Comic Con is all of the East Coast folks that I hadn't been able to meet, but I've been talking to or being interviewed by, you know, for years, you know, Facebook or whatever, and I actually got you know to meet them, and and it was just it was. It was great energy. It was great. It was absolutely great because I walk up and, you know, you're wearing the mask and they're not sure who you are. (laughs) I'm like, hey, Greg. It's like, yeah, it's Madeline from Boston Metaphysical. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel you. I mean, I walk around with the cap, my my sweater with the logo when I went to New York and I had folks calling me over comic crusaders are you out mega come over here i'm like i'm like oh what's up i go like this and shake hands they would smack my hand away and then give me a hug no man thank you for the support i'm like oh shit what the hell is going on here (laughs) i'm loving it though that's such great love this is what i love about the community because they understand who's real and and who really cares about the industry and and people like yourself you know yeah. Which I really appreciate. This is, you know, to give me this moment to say thank you to you for being creative and bold and brave to put your stuff out there the way that you do. 
you know, you, you created an ultimate fan base. I mean, look at you, you're winning all over the place. Yo, just thank you for sharing that. You you're you are a true inspiration, yo. Oh, for thank real. you. <laughs> Yes, honestly, you inspired me. I, you know, just reading more about you, I'm like, wow, homie done a lot, damn, and, and kicking ass and keeps and keeps chugging along, nonstop. There ain't no no walls or barriers. So keep doing what you do, yo. I'm 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 honored to have had this moment to talk to you and and, and you know and, and partake in your journey. No, I, I I appreciate that. I I think it just at a certain age, you just go. Screw it! I'm gonna go do that. I don't care what other people think. <laughs> I spoke to other creators just like that very recently. That that, that yeah. somebody questioned their creation, and he basically said, "F off." <laughs> what are you talking about? You don't know nothing. You know, like this is me, and if you don't like it, then just don't read it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Boston Metaphysicals. Not going to be for everybody. That's fine. You know, there's going to be something for everybody out there. Yeah. And um, and if you like what I'm doing, that's great. More is coming. Um, a lot more. A lot more is coming. Just, you know, put on your seatbelt. Full steam ahead. Okay. This is what I want to close with. Because, you know, now we got an audio drama coming. Now, you know, because you got the book. You got the audio. If you could turn this into anything else, like a cartoon, a TV show, a major film, which one would you choose if you had the choice? Um, I would probably do a series, a live, I would prefer a live action series. Um, I know that would, obviously that's more expensive. Of course. Of course it's more <laughs> well, expensive. Why not, yo? Make it more pricey. It's going to be worth it. <laughs> it's my fantasy. I can, I can do whatever I want. Um, just because I, I am a fan of, of long form stories and it really it often takes a series for your audience to understand the world and the characters and to really become vested in them. Um, You need to flesh it out. Yeah. It's hard to do that with movies unless they're, they are preexisting characters in another medium, which is like why more was killing it. You know, these characters, you know? Yeah. You, you already know them. Um, But also I think, you know, a series does justice to a story and whether it be a uh, live action or animation um, and either one is actually fine by me. Uh, it would be fun. Um, it just adds, it just allows the, the creators to add more depth to the world. Gotcha. I love it. I love it. You hear this lady. She's awesome. So please, I've been showing this off nonstop. <laughs> All right. So I go, please. Support this amazing project. Check out bostonmetaphysicalsociety.com. Now, there we could probably... Can we get the, the, the last books in the series? Or what? What's popping yes. on the website? Yes, yes. Um, you can um, either get them through me or through SourcePoint Press. Okay. Uh, you know, SourcePoint has, has everything as well. Um, so, yeah, they... <laughs> either one. Um, and there's links either to... Through my website, either through SourcePoint or to my web store. Uh, the difference being is uh, if you get directly through me, it actually comes signed. Um, oh, of course. You're not going to sign all those books for so, for those thousands of books. Hell no. Huh? <laughs> that's too crazy. Also, they're in Michigan. Their warehouse is in Michigan. So that's, oh, that's that. tough, tough for me to do. I hear um, you. They better fly you out there, round trip, first class. 
you know, come on now. <laughs> Give you a gold pen, gold ink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, uh, you know, whatever is, whatever is easy. Uh, there's right. uh, digital is available as well through Amazon and through drive through comics. Though I don't think the latest sequel, The Book of Demons, is on drive-through yet. I know it will be, but but I just don't don't think it's um, gotten well, up. Love how you say Amazon no longer Comicsology since Comicsology yes. is now saying goodbye, <laughs> right? Yes. Oh, it was a nice ride, Comicsology. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was right, but yeah, you, know, you got to visit Madison Social, Madeline Social right here. You got it on Facebook, Boston Metaphysical Society comic on Facebook, right? You got Twitter at M, the letter M, Holly Rising. That's double L Y. I mean, Rosing, R O S I N G, and then at Instagram at M C Holly again, Holly H O double L Y number one on Instagram. Follow, keep up to date, support this amazing lady and these amazing projects that she is keeping us thoroughly entertained with. I mean, this is top-notch comic books, folks, all right? Then you got that audio drama, yo. I can't wait till the CD drops and I start hearing what's popping here, yo. Getting hooked. You're hooking, you're hooking me like a fish, Marilyn. <laughs> Jeez. You, you done, you've done your job here. I love it. Thank I you. can't wait. So thank you for your time. I truly appreciate it. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it, yo. All, I'll share all the links. Make sure to click, click, click away. Support everything Marilyn doing. And of course, support everything we do. Outro tells you what to do. Hasta la próxima, mi gente. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 